Well, grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, This past week, I I did a bit of my sermon writing uh, over at Roy's Bakery, actually. Uh, It was really delicious. If you want some of that action, uh, just come after service to the fellowship hall. Uh, (laughs) But it it had been a while. Uh, It had been I had been uh, out to eat at a restaurant. And I found myself uh, not really wanting to leave. Now, I was there alone, but throughout the restaurant, there were all sorts of groups uh, eating, laughing uh, together, uh, sharing a meal together. And I was reminded of of just how good it is uh, to break bread together and how a meal has this, this unique way of just drawing all sorts of people together, people of, of different backgrounds, of people young and old, and, and you can probably think of a time, maybe it was on a holiday when, when everyone was gathered together for a meal, and it was just, it was just right. It was just the best. It was sacred, almost, the way that it, it drew everyone together. Well, we're continuing our uh, study of 1 Corinthians today through our series of One for All and All for One. Uh, Jesus is one for all. His death and resurrection are for you and for your neighbors and for your classmates and your co-workers. Uh, Jesus is for everyone. He is the one for all. As Jesus' followers, uh, we're united on all sorts of fronts, Uh, but today we're going to look at a a peculiar and particular meal that we are united in. Uh, We are all for one meal, the Lord's Supper, also known as communion, the the Eucharist. Uh, But the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, it's, it's not just something that we come together for, But the meal actually unites us. And not just us here in this room. As we'll see, the the Lord's Supper unites all sorts of things that would otherwise be uh, disconnected. I'll mention three of those things today, but the first thing that I'll I'll mention is how this meal connects the present to the past. The Lord's Supper connects the present to the past. Because each time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we're drawn back into the story, into the life of Jesus. We're we're drawn back into the night when He was betrayed, right? Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when He was betrayed, He took bread. Always. Whenever we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we're not just talking about the present, we're remembering the Last Supper of Jesus and His disciples, the night in which Jesus was betrayed. So what kind of a night was that? Well, let's go back to that night. Let's revisit it. As we heard in our gospel reading from Luke, it was a Passover night. It was a Passover meal. 
And usually at the Passover, one of the kids would be asked a question. They'd be asked, uh, why is this night unlike all other nights? And then they would refer back to that, that great act of liberation when God had brought the Israelites out of Egypt, the first Passover. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the Passover story, you can check it out in Exodus chapter 12. We heard snippets of it. You can read the full thing there. I encourage you to do that. Uh, But I'll give you the Cliff Notes version uh, right now. So the Israelites, God's people, uh, they were slaves in Egypt. The king of Egypt, Pharaoh, he would not set them free. Therefore, God sent the angel of death to Egypt. And, And we see with the angel of death is actually a, a glimpse. It's a precursor to judgment day. God was doing on a small scale in Egypt what He will do on a large scale at the end of time. He was bringing His divine justice and judgment upon the people. He was setting things right. Things were not right in Egypt. But the Israelites were humans too, right? They were just like the Egyptians. And so how were they going to escape this this angel of death? Uh, uh, Well, here's what God said to the people. He said, every family, every town must come together and have a, a feast, a meal. They must kill a lamb eat the lamb, and and put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts above their household. They take shelter under the blood of the lamb. The lamb dies instead of anyone inside the home, for when the angel of death would come, it would see the blood, and it would pass over those homes, and the people would be saved. Passover. And because the Israelites took shelter under the blood of the Lamb, uh, they were saved and, and liberated and brought out of Egypt. And Moses, he says, therefore, let us celebrate this feast forever so that we always remember God's great act of salvation. And so that's what the Jews did. Until the night when Jesus was betrayed. Because on that night, that Passover night, Jesus began making changes to the meal, which is kind of crazy for a Jew to do, which Jesus was, right? Because they looked up to Moses. They revered him. And Moses had said, don't make any changes to this. We should celebrate this forever to remember this past act of salvation. But Jesus... He starts changing things up, and the first thing he switches up is is actually the bread. Instead of saying, as the presider of the the meal would say, uh, come, let let us eat of this bread of our affliction, which we ate in the wilderness, Jesus said, this is my body. This is the bread of my affliction, broken for you. And when he said, here's the bread and, and here's the cup, well, that was normal at Passover because you had unleavened bread and you had cups of wine that the people were drinking. But there was no lamb at the Last Supper. Now, why? Because 
Jesus is the Lamb. Those lambs and animals sacrificed in the Old Testament, they couldn't actually save sins, right? They couldn't take them away. They were just animals, which is why the prophet Isaiah could say something like this. He could say, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter. Now, Isaiah doesn't tell us who this person is. He just calls him the suffering servant. But what Isaiah and the prophets were were showing was that it wasn't these animals taking away sin. It wasn't those lambs. They were merely a symbol. They were merely a sign pointing forward to someone else, some other substitute. And on the night when he was betrayed, Jesus said, I am he. This is the night unlike all other nights. Because when Jesus says, this is my body, this is my blood, he's saying, I'm the main course. I am the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Everything else in in salvation history has been pointing to and leading to me. Every sacrifice, every salvation, every prophet, priest, and king, every deliverer has been pointing to me. And tonight, I'm not just going to deliver you from that physical problem or this or that political problem or, or, or this or that partial problem. Jesus says, tonight I'm going to deal with sin and death itself. This is the night unlike all other nights. And when you take the bread and you take the cup, there is a direct connection between what is happening right now for you and what happened on that night. So the Lord's Supper, it, it, it connects us back to Jesus' Last Supper. But that's not all it does. I've got two more, right? So <laughs> it connects us back to, to Jesus' Supper, it connects the present to the past, but it also connects individuals to a community. Like most meals, it connects us to each other, or at least it's supposed to. But this wasn't happening at the church in Corinth. We heard Paul kind of giving them a bit of lip today in our reading from from Corinthians. I'll read verses 20 and 22 to you again, uh, where Paul said, When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you're eating. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? (laughs) Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? Shall I say to you, shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Now, in order to understand Paul's words, it's helpful to understand the practice of the Lord's Supper in the early church. Back in the early days, the Lord's Supper Uh, Well, it it took the place at the end of service. It was the climax of the worship service, much like it is today, right? It happens after the sermon, after the prayers. But unlike today, 
it was a full meal. People brought their food with them to the worship service. And when it came time for the Lord's Supper, you would go and grab your food, you would sit at tables together, and you would eat in commemoration of the Lord's death. They called them love feasts or agape meals. But that's not what was going on in Corinth. Instead, uh, well, a couple things were happening. First, uh, some of the people were so disdainful of others that when it came time for the Lord's Supper, they just crammed down their food and, and took off. They didn't want anything to do with anyone else in the congregation. And secondly, we're told that, that some people had so much food and so much wine that they were even getting drunk while you had others going away hungry. Well, why would that be happening? Well, if you were wealthy, you had plenty of food to bring. But if you were, you were poor, you didn't. But this was supposed to be a community meal. They were supposed to be sharing with each other. And instead, the, the people in the church were looking really no different than anyone else in the world, where there's a separation between the haves and the have-nots, where there's a split between those who, who can provide and those who have a harder time doing that. And, and that was happening in the church. It was noticeable. And so Paul, in response to this, he says some of the harshest things that he says to any church anywhere in the New Testament. He says, you, you call this the Lord's Supper? This is not the Lord's Supper. And if you eat and drink the cup of the Lord in this way, you're, you're going to bring God's judgment down upon yourself. Now, Paul is livid with the Corinthian church because they were undermining the very heart of the gospel which is that you're saved by grace, not works. And that, that levels people, right? Everyone is a sinner saved by grace. It's not up to your performance. It doesn't matter what your social status is. It doesn't matter whether you're, you're Jew or Greek or slave or free or male or female. That stuff doesn't matter anymore. And if you understand the gospel, you know that. You get that. But if you have divisions, well, what causes divisions between individuals? It's pride. And what causes divisions between classes or races? It's pride. And Paul says, if you have those divisions, and they're even coming to the Lord's Supper, how dare you eat that bread? How dare you take that cup? You're a walking contradiction of what it's all about, because it's all about the grace of Jesus Christ, and the grace of Jesus should take away that pride, but you're not discerning. You're not recognizing the body, who it is you're eating. 
and what he was all about. So what does that mean? What does that mean for us? It means if today there's somebody in your life who you're not speaking to because you're so mad at them, if there's someone who you're, you're harboring a grudge against because you're, you're so mad at them, you're, you're, you're feeling very bitter towards a person and you're hoping that bad things even happen to them because you're so mad at them, you may believe that you're a sinner saved by grace, but you're not living it out because it's impossible to at the same time hold a grudge against somebody else and recognize that if God held a grudge against you, you would be toast, right? (laughs) And so to pick up the bread in the cup and still go out and be bitter, you're not remembering. You're not discerning. You're, You're eating judgment on yourself, Paul says. Now, if that's you... If you have a relationship or two that's, that's like that, does that mean you can't come and eat and drink? Repent, right? Repent. Uh, remember, make a, make a commitment to reconcile with that person. Ask for God's forgiveness and then come and receive the grace that you need to go out and do it, to go out and actually reconcile with that person. But if you say to yourself, no, I'm not going to go do that, I'm, I'm not prepared to go do that, then don't eat it. That's what Paul says, because when you eat the Lord's Supper, you connect yourself to the whole community. And the Lord's Supper, it connects our present to our past, it connects individuals to a community, and finally, the Lord's Supper connects you to God. Because when Jesus says, this is my body, and he hands you a piece of bread, and when he says, this is my blood, and he gives you a cup to drink, one thing is very clear. God is making himself accessible to you. What an incredible statement I am making myself accessible to you. I am giving myself to you. I am connecting myself to you. The Lord's Supper is not just about belief in God in general, but it's about communion, common union, real union. It's about a deep connection with God. And when Jesus said, this is my body, he was speaking literally. He didn't say, this represents my body. He said, this is my body. When you get the bread in the cup, you're getting the literal, actual, automatic, saving grace of God. This is literally Jesus for you. Now, there are some out there who have argued against that, who say it's only symbolic, even using Jesus' own words. That he says, do this in remembrance of me to say that it's a symbol, that to do it uh, in memory or in remembrance is a symbol. But what does that word remember actually mean? 
forget it that. You have to think about what the opposite of remembering. Well, what is the opposite of remember, right? Dismember. <laughs> uh, dismember, right? And when you're thinking of dismember, you're thinking of arms and legs and limbs cut off, right? Because the word member means a body part. So to remember is not just to recall, it's to graft, to, to sew, to fuse together, to take something that was not a part of your being and make it part of your being again. That is what God is doing in this meal. And so if you're angry or despondent, or if you're filled with anxiety, come and be united to Jesus. Because if you feel that way, it's, it's really one of two things. Either it's because you don't believe that Jesus gave himself to you, that Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, the, the Lord of the universe, valued you so much that he was willing to give up everything for you. Either you don't believe that, or you believe it up here, but you need to remember it. You need to eat it, to digest it. It needs to become a part of you. It needs to come in and shape the way you think of yourself and of your world and and of the people in your lives. Shape the way you think of everything. And in communion, in a unique way, you eat and drink Jesus' words. His forgiveness, His gospel, it becomes a part of you. You remember that God will spiritually graft His his truth, His gospel, and His grace into you in a way that is unique, that you can't get anywhere else. So come next week and remember and receive God's love for you. Amen. Now let's pray. Uh, Dear Father, uh, we thank you. That's what the word Eucharist means. Thank you. And this is a meal of gratitude for what you have done for us in Jesus. We thank you that you have united us to yourself and, and, and this community together through the blood and death of Jesus and his resurrection. Help us, Father, to, to receive it well, to let it change us uh, so that we become more and more your people in the image of your Son in our world. In Jesus' name we pray.